Father, we, we thank you for this day. We hear your thunder roaring outside. We hear your rain. I, you are bringing the change of the season in. We can feel it in the air that we are changing from summer to fall. And the fall rain has started. And Father, we pray for a change in that diagnosis. We don't want to accept that for our sister. We pray, Father, that you will bring about a change within her as you did with Alan at the time. We, we pray for both of those who are battling that and for Libby and for everyone who is battling cancer. And it was great to see Sharon come in today from her surgery. Uh, Sharon's back there with us from the surgery. And so, Father, we've got so many people and things and things hurting and last week we talked about a praying church and the power of a praying church and so father as body of Christ today we lift up our brothers and sisters and especially Sharon and Alan right now before you and father they are warriors they are battlers we pray that you will be mighty with them we pray that it is your will for healing and for a miracle If it's not, we accept your will. We pray that it is. Though, but Father, whatever it is, we pray for strength, for peace and comfort, not only to them, but to their families. Jeff and and Debbie are, are, are really in need of that comfort and peace as well. And so, Father, we, as their brothers and sisters, as a praying family, lift them up before you this day. And Father... But the greatest thing is eternal life. And they've both accepted that. And so our other prayer is, is that if there's anybody within this building today, and as you, they hear your word taught, Father, we pray that it will work upon their heart. Because the greatest thing is eternal life. This physical life is a short time. But eternity is forever. And we pray for you to be mighty to save. That your Holy Spirit will be working today. That we can understand your word. And be challenged and moved to action by it. And we pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Alright. Look at that thing up there. Do you see the size of that? Yes sir. We'll do, brother. We'll do. Uh, yes. I'd like to thank everybody for their prayers, uh, for the cookies, any money that was donated for the meals for the Kairos prison ministry last weekend. It was tremendous. <laughs> if you really want to see God work in the lives of people you have no idea who they are, never met them before, get involved with Kairos. Your little donations and your cookies meant a whole lot to these guys. And I've seen life change. Mm-hmm. And God is good. Amen. You see, er- everybody has a ministry. Everybody has an opportunity to serve. And when we do serve and we're true to that word, lives are changed. Um, you've got a ministry. 
Whenever you are in Christ, he looks at the body. That's why he calls this church the family. He calls it the body of Christ. And everybody is a part. And it's our, the Spirit has given you some type of a gift to be used in his service. And whatever that is, it's because it was needed here. And so he brought you here and he gave you that for his glory and honor here and to serve him. So be, be observant as to what your gift and your ministry is that you can help in those ways to glorify Christ. And I just want you to look at the size of that. You know, the ministry that God gave Noah was to talk about him for 120 years and to build that thing so that everyone can see it and understand what's coming and to, to get on board and to get in it before it's too late. It's the same thing today that we have with the cross of Jesus Christ. That, that wooden cross is now the replica of that. That those, I want, The lesson we're going to share today, turn to Genesis 6 because we're going to talk about this. And the lesson today is don't get careless with your cubits. Don't get careless with your cubits. Look at that. Oh, uh, oh, Noah's looking over and saying, man, I thought I knew what a cubit was. That's not going to do the job, is it? We, we can't be careless with our cubits. Um, you know what my favorite type of Bible study is? I shared this with them on a Wednesday. I'm going to share it with all of you. You know what my favorite type is? It was talked about 12 times in one book of the Bible. This type of Bible study was given by seven different people, and it's hardly ever given today. You know what that is? It's teaching Jesus as the Messiah from only the Old Testament. Everybody thinks that Jesus is only about the New Testament. Uh-uh. He's all through the Bible and the Old Testament. He says this, you know, in his earthly ministry, John chapter 5, 39 and 40, Jesus told all of them this. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me. And you see, as he walked upon this earth, the New Testament hadn't been written so he's saying that those Old Testament scriptures, every one of them spoke of him. It speaks of me, and they're to draw you to me, but you refuse to accept that, and you refuse to be drawn to me. I don't want that for any of us. I pray that we are all drawn to him and walking with him. Now, I want to show you how we can then use Genesis chapter 6, just how Jesus said that every page talked about me. We looked, <clears throat> we've talked in the past about why the flood came, that genetic attack upon the lineage of Christ. <clears throat> Last Wednesday, we looked at pictures of the ark, and it told us about the size and the rooms and how he even had to prepare for those animals and bring the food in and the water and the different things to keep them alive while they were on there, that he was commissioned with that. But today, we're going to take a look at it like Jesus said, how does this ark represent him? And what's it trying to say about him? And it, let's begin reading in verse 13, if you're there with me. And it says this, That God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me. 
For the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark, cover it inside and outside with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. That the length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, and its width shall be 50 cubits, and its height shall be 30 cubits. And you shall make a window for the ark, and you'll finish it to a cubit from above. You're going to set a door on the side of the ark. You shall make within it a lower, a second, and a third deck. And behold, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I, I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall go into the ark. You and your sons, your wife and your wife's sons with you, and every living thing of all the flesh shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you, and they shall be male and female, and of the birds after their kind, the animals after their kind, the creeping thing after its kind. You shall bring all of these in, and you will gather them together with you and keep them alive. And you will take all of the food that you eat and the different kinds and the food that they eat and bring it there and gather it to you, and it will be food for you and them. And so thus Noah did, according to all that God commanded him, so he did. Wow. Now, building this ark is described as an act of faith. You would think that 120 years of building that monstrosity and gathering everything together would be considered works, wouldn't you? You'd say, no, no, that's a job and that's works. That's doing something. But you know what? The Bible says that that was faith. God says it this way in Hebrews chapter 11 when he talks about what Noah did. He says in verse 7 this. By faith, Noah, when he was divinely warned of the things not yet seen, he moved with godly fear. He prepared the ark, and he did it for this reason, the saving of his household, and because the Lord had told him to do it, by which he also then condemned the world through that, and he became the heir of righteousness, which is according to faith. So you see that what faith is, is when you hear the word of God and you move to do it, that that is faith and God accredits that to your account as righteousness through faith. Not the works that you did, but what you did through faith because he told you to do it and you did it. That's what faith. You haven't seen it come yet. It's never rained upon the earth. You're going to find that the, the ground was watered by a mist from below that would come up. It had never rained, but yet he said there's going to be a rain, there's going to be a storm, there's going to be a flood. And being divor- divinely warned of those things, not yet seen, he went ahead and moved with fear and built the ark. And God said that's faith. When, when you realize that My word is true and what I say is going to happen and you do it. 
that is accredited to you as faith. And that's what Noah did because Romans 10, 17 tells us that faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. And through that he became heir of righteousness through faith. And as we now get ready to dig into what this ark means in, in a relationship to Jesus Christ. It says this. Characteristics of the ark of how God instructed Noah to build it. First thing I want you to know and realize and see up here as we look in verse 14. That it was made of one material. There was only one material that he called out in the scripture for him to do. And that was through gopher wood. He said, take a gopher wood and make this ark. Did you realize that wood and trees are pictured in the Bible as a representation of the humanity of man? That us as human beings? Uh, Take for example Psalm 1. We're not to be in, in the way with sinners and sit in the seat of the scornful or walk in the way of the wicked, are we? But it says, my delight is to be in the law of the Lord. And in his law do I meditate day and night. And I will be like a what? Tree planted by the water. Okay, so your life and that righteousness is supposed to bring the water of life through it. And you'll be like a tree planted by the river of waters. All throughout the scriptures, Jesus is referenced as a type of a tree. He is the root of Jesse. Isaiah 11 says that he is going to grow up from that root as a tender branch, as a tender tree before him. So this ark represents the humanity of Jesus Christ that had to come to earth for my sins. Because as God, it takes a sinless life to be offered up for sin, to make atonement and to make payment for that. And so for God could not do that because God is eternal. The characteristics of God does not allow for Him as God to make that sacrifice because God cannot die. God is a spirit and it says that He is omnipresent or He's everywhere. So God can't be relegated to a cross. It took the humanity of Jesus to come down and to become, as it says in the scriptures, to come as a man in form like us. To be tempted in every way like as we are because God couldn't be tempted. But he came to be tempted in every way so that he might be able to be our sacrifice and also our high priest and our representation before God. So... The ark is made out of one material. The reference of Christ, the person of God, is what it's represented. The humanity of Jesus Christ came forth. And so, think about it this way. To make the ark, you have to cut down a what? So, every time Noah went out and cut down a tree... It was a representation of the life of Jesus, of his 33 years here as humanity, being sacrificed for us, for an ark, for a place of safety within him and within his body. So it's one material. We are in Christ, and he is the only way of salvation. And we, Romans 10, uh, chapter 6 says that whenever 
we come into Christ and come to that knowledge, it says, do we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Know ye not that whenever you were baptized into Christ, that you were put on Christ. So there's how we get into Him and put Him on, is in those waters of baptism. And we're going to talk some more about that in a minute. We'll just carry on. But the ark is a representation, though, of being in Christ, and it was made of one material. Next, if you're thinking that I'm stretching out a little bit, let's just go to the New Testament. If that's a stretch, let's hear what the Lord's Apostle Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 3, 18 through 21. He said, you know, Christ came to this earth and He suffered for sins. He was the just who was offered up for the unjust that He might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh but quickened by the Spirit, by the which He went and preached to those spirits in prison who were at some time disobedient. When, once, now here we go, the long-suffering of God waited when He was patient in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, wherein few, that is, eight souls were what? By what? The like figure, verse 21, whereunto even baptism doth now also what? Okay, it wasn't my words. I wanted, I wanted you to hear that. Not by the putting away of the filth of the flesh. In other words, it's not a bath. It's not to go in and to make you clean by scrubbing. It says it's the answer. Uh, it's the answer. It's the appeal of a good conscience towards God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So in that ark, in that place of safety that was made of one thing, gopher wood, it was saved through water, whereas the like figure now of us is that. And it says through the resurrection of Christ. And we talked about it last week, but we got some more people here today, so I want to do it again. What it is, it's the like figure. It's the representation. Jesus, the gospel is what? The death, burial, and resurrection, right? By faith, we are replicating that. I am dying to myself and to sin I am buried with Him in baptism by faith because He told me to. And I am raised up a new creature in Christ Jesus. Now I am not my own. I've been bought with a price. I am atoned by the blood of the Lamb. And all it was was an answer of the good conscience. In other words, it's by faith, by saying that I believe in what you told me to do. I believe in that death, burial, and resurrection. And I am obeying it now. And that's what it does, and it puts you in Christ, and it's by faith only. Then, as we go on, in Christ, and now the second characteristic of that ark that I want you to know about, that God told him to build. Inside that ark, he said, I want you to cover it on the inside and the outside with pitch. Go ahead and put me up to Genesis 6 again. Yeah, there we go. Inside and outside, I want you to cover it with pitch. You know, it's baseball season. Playoffs are on. Pitchers, good pitchers usually wins games. But you know, we're not talking about that kind of pitch here. We're talking about a tarry-like substance, you know, that you rub onto it and it kind of seals it and makes it waterproof. It, he said to cover this thing inside and outside with pitch 
I shared this with the folks Wednesday. We went into what those two words mean, cover and pitch. And because I love y'all, I want to share it with you as well because this blowed us away. Those two words, we're going to start with pitch first. That word for pitch is kofir. Kofir does not mean a tarry substance. You know what it means? It means the payment of a life. Everywhere else in the scriptures in in Exodus and in Leviticus, when it's talking about the different types of offerings, that word, that same word that's put as pitch here is for the word ransom. It is the price of a life. It is the ransom that is given for one life for another. The word for cover means to be atoned. To make a payment for. So when the Lord is using these words. The translators. They didn't know what to think. So they made a literal. Instead of a spiritual translation with this. But the words actually mean. That I want you to build this ark out of wood. That's a representation of my son. The one way. And then. I want you to cover it with pitch. Which means. That. His life is offered as the ransom for yours. And when he's upon that cross and he sheds the blood, the life blood, that that is going to be your covering, your atonement. And so that now you are covered within and without. You are sealed by the blood of Jesus Christ. His life, a ransom for yours. And that gives me a a chill to the bone. It paid for me. His life was ransomed for me. So the tree is cut down and offered. It is giving the ransom my life for yours. The blood shed covers that inside and out. And seals it. It not only makes it leak proof. It makes it judgment proof. Because the flood waters are the judgment of God upon wickedness and upon those who do not go into the ark, into Christ Jesus. When you are in Christ, you are judgment proof. When you are outside of Christ, you face it on your own. And then the third thing that he said about this ark, the third thing that he said is, I want you to build it with one set of plans. He didn't tell him to build it how you want to. He didn't say make up your own stuff, but he had one set of plans. He's already been telling us it's going to be out of one type of wood, gopher wood. He's already says, I want you to pitch it with inside and without. Now he's going to tell you, I want you to make rooms within it, and I want you to make it a certain size. I want you to make it 300 cubits long. I want you to make it 50 cubits high. And I want you to make it 30 cubits wide. There's one set of plans. If Noah, as that first picture, had been careless with his cubits, do you think that the ark would have withstood the flood? (laughs) Yeah. But the thing is, is that the plan of God is perfect. 
You can research these dimensions, and even the Navy used to make their boats that go into the most treacherous waters to this ratio. It is the perfect ratio for stormy waters. It doesn't do good to ski behind, to fish from, but it is designed to be a seaworthy vessel in a storm. And so the thing that we carry over is is with the plan of salvation, with the plan of the church, with the plan of everything. God's got one plan. We don't mess with the plan. We don't get careless with our cubits. We don't say, he could have said, you know, it would be easier on me to make that little toy boat instead of that huge thing that's going to be 120 years. That's easier for me. I want to do what's easy on me. No, you follow the plan if you want the plan to work and to be judgment-proof for you. So he had one set of plans, and you know why that's so important too? You know what the spiritual thing of those plans of the ark made? It was love, and it was grace, because it was going to protect you from the storm. But also, I read this in, in the book of Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 16, I want you to listen to what he says. He wants you to know that God wants to, and Jesus grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in your inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, might be able to comprehend with all of the saints. Now what do we got? Measurements. That you might be able to comprehend what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height of the love of Christ Jesus that passes all knowledge that you might be filled with the fullness of God. The love, the grace represents the height, the depth, the length, and the breadth of the love of Jesus Christ to save you from that storm so to build the true ark Noah had to abide by one set of plans didn't he and they were God's plans and I know I can trust God because his plans are always perfect and just because he is a perfect God next same issue with salvation we had one set of plans to be legitimate Noah couldn't change those to suit his fancy he couldn't speculate on which material, uh, what covering, one plans. Now, therefore, we have in verse 22 of Genesis 6, we've got this. Thus, Noah did. According to all that God commanded him, so he did. So you see, there's the faith in what God told him to do. He did it. And Hebrews 11 said he moved with fear. He did what he was told to do. And it was accredited to him as righteousness. Next thing that's on that agenda, that plan of God for the building of the ark, it says, I want you to put one door and one window in that ark, didn't it? Well, Jesus said in John chapter 10, he said three times in this little talk that he gave that I am the door. In verse 1, he says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter into the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way the same as a thief and a robber. Verse 7, he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. 
And then in verse 9, which is up there, it says, I am the door, and if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. There's a reason why God said there's going to be one door. And you're going to put it on a side so that you can enter in. Because this ark is a representation of Jesus Christ. His life, his sacrifice, his, his blood shed. He's the only door. It's the depth and the height and the breadth of his love. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except by me. And it's through that door that you enter into the ark and you enter into him. And then he says this, put a window in there. You know what a window represents? When you're in the ark, because you don't use the window outside of the ark, you use the window inside of the ark. So when you're in the ark, the window represents fellowship with God. You are inside of this and there's one way to have fellowship. Now, the window, it says, place it a cubit from above and the only way that window can look is up. It's a window of fellowship with God. 1 John 1 and verse 7 says this, that if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And then get this, what's all around the ark? What, what was it pitched within and without with? That blood of Christ, that atonement, that payment for us. It says, you, if you walk in the light as He is in the light, you have fellowship and the blood of Jesus Christ continues to cleanse me from all of my sins. That's fellowship with God and safety. It is cleansing, but it's inside the ark where it's good. You're, in, you're pitched within and without through that from safety. Now, the, all of that is based upon the uh, rest of the floor plan that God gave in the ark. You know what's the next thing he said? I want you to build three floors on it. I want you to have a lower floor. I want you to have a second floor or deck. And I want you to have a third deck upon that ark. The whole width, breadth, height, love is built upon how long, how high, how deep that ark is around these three floors. You know what everything is based upon for the Christian life and for being in Christ? The three floors. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. You got three floors, brother. And everything about this ark is based on those three floors. My sacrifice for you is the death, burial, and the resurrection. It says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, this is the gospel. Paul goes in there and he says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are saved, if you hold fast to the words that I preached to you, so that you do not believe in vain. For I delivered first off to you in this gospel, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. What we're reading in Genesis 6, because that's the Scriptures to Him. And that He was buried. And that he arose again the third day according to those scriptures. And that death, burial, and resurrection is what everything's based upon. And it's based upon the three floors that's within that ark. There's one gospel plan by which we are saved. 
that Christ died, he was buried, and he arose again to newness of life. And that's with us, to those who obey like Noah did, and enter into that ark of safety. And God sealed them in whenever they all entered inside of that ark. And the reason that they needed to do that was because of this. As we go back to our text in verse 17 of Genesis 6. Because God is speaking and he says to Noah, I myself, I am bringing floodwaters upon the earth to destroy it from under heaven. All flesh in which is breath of life, everything upon the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you and with all of your family who enters into the ark with you. Judgment comes from God himself. And you know who doesn't receive the, the judgment? Those who are in a covenant relationship with God. You look up there on that and I think it's verse. No, back up, Miss T. Yeah. Um, verse 20. All of the things are going to come to you. What's Jesus say to us? Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Amen. So, all have to come to the ark. All have to come into the ark. And when you do, God says, I make a covenant with you. I'm making a promise with you. That you are now inside the ark and I will take care of you. So as our worship team comes on up and we get ready to close out today God's word says I'm going to bring this judgment this destruction the same's going to happen again one day and we don't know when that's going to be or we don't know when our last breath will be but we know this that God is offering a covenant relationship with you and I and it's in his son Jesus Christ and one last point as they're getting ready one last point is this those outside of the ark faced what? All of that. The judgment, the death, the destruction, the floodwaters of God. What about those inside the ark? Saved and brought up through to the other side. But notice this. Upon, to those who were safe, what did the judgment fall upon? The ark. The ark received the judgment that I should have had. <laughs> when they entered into the ark and God made a covenant with them, you see, the wood's already been cut. The sun's already died. The blood's already been shed. You've accepted that. You enter into the ark. The judgment fell upon him. What does it say there in, in Peter, 1 Peter 3 or 2? He, his own self, bear our sins in his body on the tree that we, now being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. Folks, that judgment that should have been upon me, he bore. And he said, all you got to do is come unto me and enter in and trust me by faith through that and I will bring you through to the other side I promise and so I want to end where kind of we started with Peter's analogy of this ark and the representation of it being the church 
the body of Christ, the place of safety. And he said this, once the patience, the long suffering of God waited during the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, while, while it was being waiting on the judgment of God and being prepared, wherein few, only eight souls out of all the world that was then were saved by water. But that like figure of baptism does now also save us. It's the appeal to God as a good conscience and safety for the covenant relationship that he promises through those three floors in that ark, the death, burial, and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, indeed, as Jesus said, you search the scriptures because in them you think you will find eternal life. And yea, indeed, he said, because everyone, every page speaks of me and yet you refuse to accept. And Father, I pray earnestly today that there will be no one that's within this building or within the sound of this voice that will reject you and refuse to come and to not find life. Father, if there is anyone here who has not yet given their life to Jesus, pray that your word and your spirit will be powerful of what we have heard and that hearing comes faith. And faith means action, and I pray that they will act upon that today before it's too late, Father. To you be all glory, praise, and honor. And we thank you for your grace, your long-suffering, and patience, and that atonement through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.